Exodus chapter 9, we are moving on with these plagues. We are on the fifth plague tonight. Get to the halfway point here. I got to preach quick because my phone's almost dead, and so if it's going to record it, I'm going to have to preach quick to get it all on there. But that's all right. If I don't, our online listeners will just have to have to miss one. Exodus chapter 9. I'm just going to uh, read through the, the first few verses of it here, just about uh, nine verses. Of, actually, seven verses. I think I put nine. Oh, I'll put seven on the thing. I got it right. Uh, we are going through these plagues, and we, and we kind of saw a shift last week in some of the plagues that we had seen before and, and some of the ones that we are going to see from that point forward. And the big distinction that took place in those verses we looked at last week is that in the first three plagues, uh, God didn't really single out uh, the people of Israel. He didn't make any special concession. At least the text doesn't tell us he did, although he may have. Uh, But we do see a difference in the fourth plague and here tonight in the fifth plague. And that is that God is making separation between his people and the people of Egypt. That is that the people of Egypt are going to continue to face these plagues, but God is going to space, uh, place special protection on his people Israel. Uh, so uh, I believe that probably what happened is the Israelites first had to go through those first three just like the Egyptians. One, it was to get the Egyptians' attention as to who God was, but two, it was also to get the Israelites' attention to remind them who God was, how powerful he was, and that he was in control. And here we see God saying, all right, my chosen people had to face a little bit, but they're not going to have to face the worst of the worst here when it comes to Egypt. So let's pray, and then we'll just kind of go through these verses. God, we come to you tonight. I thank you for these words. I pray that as short as this text may be and as simple as it may be, that we would get some good out of it, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit just speak to us through these words tonight. Help me to know what to say, God, uh, and help us to, to, to help us just to get some good from your word. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go in to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, says, Let my people go so that they may worship me. Now, we have seen this. This is nothing new. We have seen this same thing time and time again. And Pharaoh still is not listening. Every time God goes to Moses, he says, Look, here's what I want you to do. Tell people to let, uh, tell Pharaoh to let the people go. If they won't let the people go, tell him this is what's going to happen. And all of these things take place. So Moses uh, is commanded here, just like he is before, go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, says. Now, he's, he's reminding Pharaoh of who he is and who's in control. The Egyptians worship many different gods. Uh, most of the gods that they worship uh, 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 correlated with these uh, plagues that took place. So there were uh, many different gods that were over the, the, the harvest or the water or the Nile River, whatever it may have been, or over the livestock as we're going to see tonight. There were many different gods the Egyptians worshipped that were supposed to watch over certain aspects of their life. But whatever god they worshipped, it could not stand up to the God of the Hebrews, that is, Yahweh. Yahweh was demolishing all of these different things that their gods were supposed to stand for. And God is reminding Pharaoh here, look, the God of the Hebrews is the one who is doing this. Your gods aren't standing up. The God of the Israelites is the one who is winning uh, these battles, if you want to call them that, that are taking place. And then God says, let my people 
go. Now God is reminding Pharaoh here, I believe, of whose people they are. Remember, these are the slaves of Pharaoh. While Pharaoh may think that these are his slaves, God is reminding him, "Uh uh-uh, these are not your people. You may have enslaved them, they may have been in your land for a long time, but these are not your people. God is reminding him, these are my people. And then he goes on to say, let them go so that they may worship me. That's what God desires. That is what God desired of the people then, and that is still what God desires today, and that is what God desires for all of eternity. We see that all throughout Scripture. God's desire is for His people to love and to worship Him, for them to seek Him so that He can bless them and they can have a good relationship for all of eternity. That is God's ultimate plan is that He desires to have a relationship with us. Now, that's pretty crazy stuff. We're just sinful human beings. But for whatever reason, we are special in God's eyes, and God desires to be with us. That's why God sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross, so that we could be with Him for all of eternity. That's what God's desire was for the people of of Israel then, and that's what God's desire is for us today. God desires for us to come together and worship Him so that we can be in relationship with Him. That's why we come to church. Hopefully, that's why you come to church. And that's why we go to any kind of gathering where people come together in the name of the Lord. That is why we do it. We are fulfilling what God desires of us. He desires to have us with Him, and we desire to be with Him. And in in this case, in Egypt, that was not taking place. Because of the gods that the Egyptians worshipped, because of their enslavement, they didn't have the freedom to go and worship the Lord. And God desired to deliver them out of that so that he could have that relationship with them that he wanted. And that's a good illustration to exactly what God is going to do in the end times. While we're on this earth as human beings now and we're still living in a sinful earth, we are still uh, under hard times, uh, so to speak, much like what the Israelites would have been under. But God's desire for us is the same. There is coming a day... I don't know when that day is going to be. It could be tomorrow. It could be 10,000 years from now. I do not know. But there is coming a day where God is going to make things right. And He is going to deliver His people so that we can one day eternally worship with Him without fear of all the sin and all the hatred and all those things taking place. God is calling us to the same thing He was calling the Israelites to. And that is to worship Him. Verse 2. But if you refuse to let them go and keep holding them, then the Lord's hand will bring a severe plague against your livestock in the field, the horses, donkeys, camels, herds, and flock. So God says, here's what's going to happen this time. All these things has taken place. There's been kind of... some pestilence, I guess that'd be a good word. You had the flies, you had the gnats, lice, whichever it may have been. You had uh, the, the Nile River. Those things were, were kind of an, an inconvenience to them. It was kind of a pestilence. They could still go along with their daily lives, as inconvenient and as aggravating as it may have been. But here God is striking real close to home. He's saying He's going to strike their flocks. Now, I would say that most of us probably don't depend on our flocks to live at this day and time. 
But I would say that some of you probably grew up on a farm where you depended on your livestock, where your livelihood depended on if your cattle were going to, to grow and get fat and if your cows were going to produce milk. And if your livestock didn't, didn't work and, and pull the plow through the garden and if your cows didn't produce milk and if your, if your cows didn't go big and strong, if you didn't have all of your animals taken care of and healthy, then guess what? You were going to be in trouble. And that was probably the scene that was taking place for the Egyptians. Their livestock would have been key in their livelihood. They needed these livestock to, to eat. They needed this livestock to do this work. And God mentions a few. Perhaps it was limited to these or perhaps there were more. But he says, look, these are the livestock a severe plague is going to come against. The horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. And so this was going to be a serious deal. It wasn't merely going to be an inconvenience, these plagues that were going to come as they had in the past, but God is about to do something that's really going to affect their livelihood as a people. He goes on to say, But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing of all the Israel, that all the Israelites own will die. Here, here's that same language we saw last week. God is making a distinction. Uh, we talked about similar uh, language this morning uh, in, in Malachi that we were reading. Uh, at the end of Malachi, God talks about there's coming a day when He's going to separate the righteous and the wicked. And we see that theme all throughout Scripture. Here we see the same theme. God is making a distinction between those who are His and those who are not His. Those who are seeking Him and those who are worshiping other gods. And God is saying, look, there is a difference between my people and those who are not my people. And he says all the livestock of the Israelites, they're going to be affected by this plague, by this disease, or whatever it may have been that he struck the animals with. We really don't know. But he said he is going to protect the animals of the land of Israel. So if all of these other plagues were, were over the whole land and Israel had to experience them and now God is separating them, then that, that, that takes some divine intervention. If something is going to come and kill cattle in a land, if there is some disease that is going to break out in whatever way that happened, it's probably going to affect all the cattle. It's not going to skip one little circle of land unless there is some divine intervention. And that's what God says He's going to do. He says, look, you're going to know that I'm the one in control here because you're going to see. You're going to face the consequences and my people are going to be delivered. Verse 5, And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. The Lord set a time. There was a time and place that God had predetermined that this is when this is going to take place. And God was warning the people of Egypt, here's what's coming. He was giving Pharaoh another opportunity. Boy, he is, he's a pretty good God. Nobody can accuse God here of being impatient or being unfair with Pharaoh. You can't do it. He's already given him, this is the fifth opportunity to let the people go. And there are more to come, because I'm going to ruin the story for you. He doesn't let them go, even after this tonight. God is giving him, saying, look, there is a time coming when I'm going to bring my destruction. It wasn't going to happen instantly, but he said, look, I have planned the time, and for them it was going to be tomorrow. Well, it's not really so much different from what God is going to do uh, Eventually, in this world, God has planned a time, and we don't know when that is, as I just mentioned a while ago, but God has planned a time when eventually His patience is going to stop. 
eventually his second chances are going to stop. And we can't go before the Lord and say, but God, you've been unfair. If you would have just given me one more day, if you would have just given me one more chance, I would have changed. Well, Pharaoh had plenty of chances, and guess what? He didn't change. Even though he said he was, even though it looked like he was, when it came down to it, he wasn't going to change, probably if God would have given him a thousand chances. And God does the same for us that he does with Pharaoh. He says, look, here is what's coming. When we read in God's word and we see what God says, look, here is what's coming. There is a judgment coming where I'm going to judge you, where I'm either going to bless you or I'm going to curse you, where I'm either going to deliver you uh, to eternity uh, of goodness or I'm going to cast you away to an eternity in hell. And God is saying there is a time that is coming, that time is coming, And he set that time and place, and we don't know what it is, but just as Pharaoh had opportunities to repent, so do we have opportunities to repent. The question is, are we repenting, or are we continuing to reject and neglect and be disobedient to the Lord? God's saying the time is coming. Pharaoh could have listened. He could have repented. He could have let the people go, but instead he did not heed God's warning, and we don't want to fall into that same category as Pharaoh. The Lord did this the next day. All the Egyptian livestock died, but none of the Israelite livestock died. That's pretty good stuff. God is a God of His Word. We can take that. We see that time and time again in Scripture. God is a God of His Word. If He says He's going to protect us, if He says He's going to be with us, if He says He's going to deliver us, guess what? He did it then, and I believe wholeheartedly He is still doing it for His children today. Verse 7, Pharaoh sent messengers who saw that not a single one of the Israelite livestock was dead, but Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not let the people go. That's pretty interesting that Pharaoh sent people to go see. He said, go see, go see if it hit them. I just wonder what Pharaoh was thinking. Maybe he still wasn't quite convinced that God was in control. And maybe he was hoping their livestock was going to be dead so he could say, oh, that wasn't God that did that. That was just something that that affected all of us. Nobody's, Nobody's immune to these things, but that wasn't the case. When God sent those, or when Pharaoh sent those to... Uh, to the Israelites to see what their livestock were doing. Were they alive? Were they dead? They came back and reported to him and said, whoa, their livestock are all alive. And Pharaoh had seen with his own eyes, he knew that God was at work. God did exactly what he said he was going to do. And even seeing God work, he still refused to listen to him. And I think it's very important for us to look at Pharaoh and all of these different things, uh, these different plagues that we see, and also look at our own hearts. It's also important for us to look at the Israelites, to look at their attitudes and their actions earlier on. And we need to examine and make sure that we may not be falling into the same categories, that we may not be like Pharaoh and say, and, and, and have seen God work in our life or have seen God do some miracle and still refuse to seek the Lord. We also can be reminded of the good that comes there. That's kind, of a, that's kind of the hard side of it, but look at the good side of it. Look at what God is doing for his people. Look at what he is going through. Look at his desire to be with them. Look at his desire to have them to come and worship with him so that they may have a good relationship. That's a pretty cool God that we serve. The same God that went through all this trouble for the Israelites is the same God that gave Jesus Christ for us. 
God desires for us to be in good relationship with Him. And not just in this life, but in the life to come. But if you don't have a relationship with God in this life, the bad news is you're not going to have a relationship with Him in the life to come. This is our opportunity. This is our chance. It is right before us. Just as Pharaoh's opportunity and chance was right before him, time after time after time, but he refused the Lord. Let us make the most of our opportunity. Let us not be those who see what God does and harden our heart, but let us be those who see what God has done and repent and seek Him and say, God, I'm going to listen to what you say and what you're calling me to do. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these good words tonight. And I pray that you help us just to, to hide these things, just tuck them away in our heart. God, that's what your word is for, so that at just the right moment, you're going to remind us of, of, of what your word says. You're going to remind us of what takes place. You're going to remind us of things that shouldn't be in our heart. You're going to remind us of joy that should be in our heart. You're going to remind us how much you love us, dear Lord, how much you're with us. And you're going to remind us that maybe sometimes... We may be stubborn and hard-headed like Pharaoh. So help us just to get your word, to know what it says, to live by it. Help it to, to convict us at the times we need convicting, to encourage us at the time we need encouraging, and let us live by it. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen.